Hello. Hi. Welcome to Release. What are we talking about? Uh, Laura Dern. Aw. Aw. My favorite. <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes. That's a, it's just a deep dive into Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. I love the part um, in Jurassic Park when Laura Dern says to the Velociraptor, why don't you suck the shit out of my ass, you fucker? <laughs> It's so good. Oh, my God. I just remember being in the theater being like, you tell that velociraptor. And then I was like, I can't believe Steven Spielberg directed her in this role. I wish that that was all true. That would be great. (laughs) Ruth Stoops in Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. Someone needs to, like, cut that together. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Ruth Stoops is the main character in uh, Citizen Ruth. Released in 1996. Directed by Alexander Payne. First feature film. His first film. film. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have Smooth Talk from 1985. Yeah, like 10 years prior. So we've got two different Laura Derns. Yeah, she goes through quite a bit between these two movies. I mean, Smooth Talk, it's, like, beloved now. I know people talked about it a lot. It was, like, released during maybe one of the first Sundances. Is that right? I think so. Uh, yeah, and it's, like, I saw, now that it's getting so much attention, I saw an interview with uh, Joyce Chopra. This is So this is her first narrative feature, though she was doing documentaries. Right. One of which I watched was is about her, like, giving birth and then being a mom while being a director. It's really great. And I know that, like, was very buzzy and, like, talked about as, like, a feminist film. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, like, mu- like, way before Smooth Talk. But I know, like, she's been doing a lot of interviews in the last, you know, probably five years about Smooth Talk. Because it's, like, it got the criterion treatment. It's, like... yeah. Big deal, playing all over the place. Right. Um, And people were, like, talking to her, like, man, why was this film overlooked? And she's like, well, it wasn't. Like, it was talked about a lot. And for good reason. Yeah, but what about the fact that it did not, though it was talked about and acclaimed, the fact Mm -hmm. that, like, she did not go on to direct other big budget projects the way that yeah alexander Payne did. <laughs> sure and i feel like that feels a little bit like the agnes varda of it all yeah the, uh, the you know the woman in hollywood of it all yeah like your agnes varda with point court uh la point court her first movie it's like went to can toast of the town and then it was kind of crickets yeah um and then she ended up doing a lot of documentary right uh stuff right instead even like tourism board stuff that's like really great but yeah it's i it's very hard i know she ended up doing so she did another movie after this that i started to watch um the Lemon Sisters with Diane Keaton. Oh, I remember. Which I need to finish. That title. It looks cool. It's about yeah. like you know, female friendship. Yeah. Um, 
which I love, and Diane Keaton loves. She's in so much female friendship yeah. flicks. I think there should be a female friendship movie called The Lemon Water. Oh. It's in a restaurant, and all they all order lemon water. Oh, okay. <laughs> Simple premise. Uh-huh. Let's make it. Would, do you want water? Yes. Can I get it with lemon? <laughs> well. I'm stereotyping They got to cute <laughs> but yeah i love uh joyce chopra's point of view and i love like all the i watched um uh turn of classic movies did a panel with joyce chopra um laura dern um what is oh joyce carol oates who the short oh, story uh-huh. yeah. where are you going where have you been yep this is based on that, but it's also based on that story is based on a Tucson murderer. Yeah, the Pied Piper of Tucson. Ugh. <sighs> Not a fan. Uh, yeah, the the. Uh, I feel like that's kind of, you know, prior to us hitting record, like mm. on this episode, like that is a problem with Tucson. There is a lot of that kind of fucking creep built into this fucking city. Yeah. And then a lot of like looking the other way. Cause I know with, um, yeah. that Charles Schmid that he was like older, but he's pretending to be like a teen and all of these yeah. teens like knew what he was doing, but like didn't tell anybody. Yeah. He was straight up murdering it. Ugh. Murdering girls. Murdering girls. And basically yes. everybody was compliant, complicit, yeah. Whatever. I'm a lawyer. Yeah, they in the panel they talk a lot about how like when you're a teen, so like those teens weren't recognizing that he was older uh-huh. and that like this film is exploring and the short story was exploring like this time between being, you know, a kid and an adult. Yeah. Where you just really don't know shit. You're just not yeah. discerning. It's such, well, it's, but then it's also got a mother-daughter relationship that also Mm -hmm. sort of, like, um, displays that sort of unknowing between the both of them. Like, a deep misunderstanding on both sides of that spectrum, which is, like, uh, on full-on display and, like, one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever now Mm. um that breakfast table scene oh yeah um mother is played by mary Kay place who also is they they co-star in citizen ruth together i know which is so great um but i love that scene so much there's so much that is you can just see them not getting each other. You can just see yeah. them not getting it. I don't want to like walk through the scene because it's it's too great of a scene to like spoil. Um yeah. But you know, it's like when one person says red, the other person thinks they said blue. Yeah, well you already have 
with the mother-daughter relationship, you have so many, you can fill in so many blanks you think about this other person. Yeah. You think you know them inside and outside. and But I also think that there's this tension because the mother knows that there's things that she doesn't know about how her daughter behaves outside of the house. And she has a f- real fear. Yeah. For how that will affect her yeah. daughter, but then also it's like it just comes out as like yeah. anger, angst, yeah. ang- like you know, her anxiety is like not. Yeah. But it like in those cases, it's like there's nothing you can say. I remember being that teen, and uh, I'm thinking of now, like when she's painting the house. It's like yeah. there were times that like I had like probably a mom that was like much more understanding than Mary Kay places mothering of uh yeah connie connie larder yeah uh and but then like that moment where she tries to like they're like getting along and she tries to give her a hug and it's like a bridge too far yeah it's just like yeah as a teen you're just like always on pins and needles and just like you just don't want to be bridled right and you just feel like this other person gets to decide so much about how you live your life right and it's that discomfort but then like they're right to keep you reined in because you can't handle everything about the outside world yet right but and i don't want to call this a coming of age story because i think that that is so cliche and so based on the fact that like um it revolves around somebody who is 15, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really, you know, it revolves around Connie who is 15. It's summertime. She's at home. Her father goes to work. Her sister goes to work. Um, and stay at home mom. And then she's a 15 year old with no job and nothing to do. So what she does is she goes and she hangs out with her friends and sleeps on the beach and at the lake and <laughs> hangs out at the mall. Ha cha cha. And oh, I love a mall. Oh, scene. Oh, my God. The best mall scenes. Um, lies, you know, uh, you know, sort of spies on the older kids, the bad kids. They're hanging out at the. Hot, the hamburger stand and you know listening to rock and roll and making out and shit like that until she finally she and her friend get up the nerve to go over and hang out yeah with the older guys um yeah and then her realizing you know there are benefits of her attractiveness to, right, using her, you know, yeah, boys, using her and looks. also some men. Yeah. So then, you know, she ends up being sort of, she ends up being, not sort of, she ends up being stalked by one older man in particular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than it being a coming of age story, I think it's just like a, well, you just learned something. It's like a first trauma story. Yeah, kind of. Category that's that. Yeah. I mean... Well, sort of like a, well, fuck, I guess I'll, I've learned a new set of defenses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you never should have to learn. That you should never have to learn. You know, that happens in the last 
full half hour of the movie is that she sort of has this interaction with this older man who comes to her house and knows that she is alone. And she doesn't remember having met him, though we do see him briefly. And we know. Yeah. I feel like as the viewer, you know something is not right. But we, I think it's really... Yeah elegant how they don't show us like him peeping around corners like in this heavy-handed way it's like this last half an hour is sort of offset well the thing is is that like throughout the whole movie um it's just populated with men like Mm -hmm. really just sort of like they are like fucking michael myers they're all serial killers like just standing around like standing too close like yeah making so many fucking like it it, they're they're all so presumptuous but for her like her experience of them up until this point where this person is obviously has negative like bad intentions right until then she like she's talking to her sister about her you know interactions with these men were basically like she's like going to parking garages and like yeah necking essentially yeah and she's like there's nothing like being seen in this way right and and she's not being seen she's out of her you know she's well she's confused about her perception yeah. well yes you know because she also has this contentious relationship with her mother mm-hmm. where her mother is and her dad's kind of checked out the dad's kind of checked out he's kind of like he kind of checks in every once in a while as a I know. as a good buddy. That's such a dad thing. It's like the best dads. That's kind of their <laughs> role. Yeah, I feel uh, maybe dads are better now, but I feel like dads are so uncomfortable all the time that like the most you can expect of them. Yeah, within our. I mean, current or whatever in the 80s, 90s yeah. social construct, like the way that dads interact was like, you good? OK, good. All right. Great. Let's keep it moving. I don't not want to know. Not one other thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, like her mom is telling her, like, when I look at you, all I see are a bunch of trashy daydreams. Oh, my God. That line. Yeah. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. And so, um, I think that's from the short story. Oh, I'm sure it has to be, you know, like the dialogue is amazing. Um, yeah. And it's, so it's co-written with, uh, Joyce Chopra's, uh, husband. Yeah. Who was a playwright. Is a playwright. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, we all know how I feel about stage plays. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I won't repeat it. I like them. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, so you know I watched this like shortly after you know it was like the next thing I watched after we recorded the, the new wave mini episode mm-hmm. and it was so immediately like the opposite of new wave oh yeah you know in sort Soft of like wave soft rock soft rock but it was like just this shift from watching those new wave films which were uh really just set in these sort of fantasy realms 
interpretations of the world going into yeah. these like spaces that actually exist you know with a yeah. jimmy buffett soundtrack which you know i uh loved the way that they use music in this movie that um handyman handyman song james taylor yeah oh when when um when mother daughter are both singing it in separate rooms yeah you know there's like i felt like that was very cool to have you know like there are some songs that will like connect across generations but it's pretty rare you know like you hear her listening to like the new music the radio hits but then she's like oh i'm gonna like put i this song like connects with me because she is like a little bit lovesick as you might be as a 15 year old as i was as a 15 year old Uh and so it's like this kind of like love that's portrayed in this song is like something that she longs for and so she's connected to that but we hear it twice like we hear her singing it and it's like you can see her being sort of you know she just like has a different sort of personality than the rest of her family right it seems. And I and that's a tough place to be. I kinda hate that sister and I kinda hate that sister's face. Yeah, well, you know, she's like she's doing things a different way. She's gonna stay you can see yeah. that she's you know, Connie's gonna go off and do her own thing and take her own risks and her sister is gonna stay and have her job and right. so her like world is just more limited. Right. They're just very different. And it's like I don't necessarily connect with people that live that sort of life or, right, you know, right. identify so much with, like, small, comfortable existence. Um, especially when they're judging other people. It's like, it's fine if you want to live like that, but, like, let Connie be. And maybe if she could talk to y'all about what she's experiencing, she would be safer out there. Though, I mean, whatever happens with Arnold Friend and his... yeah the trauma he inflicts on her like there's nothing she could have done about that no. which i think it, it is nice that it's not like well she was wearing the wrong thing and then right. this guy came after her because she like gave him blue balls or something yeah. that you could see in a typical like teenage she must pay uh right you know Hayes code hangover type movie this is not that it's like he saw her he built a whole world around her right as psychopaths sometimes do uh-huh. and then there's not much she could do right from there you can't you can't prevent a psychopath from building a story around you yeah and it's i mean i like that there's not that extra layer that i feel like they always try to put on right young women where there's the a film. blame yeah, because I think all that does to the audience is like, oh, well, that couldn't happen to me. And it's like, no, we're, we are Connie. You know, yeah, I yeah. felt I mean, I've been a Connie for sure. I mean, I would say that I am the Connie of my family. You know, yeah, it's right. Like, if I think about like what Connie does after this movie ends, you know, like. She probably comes home for Christmas and is annoyed mm-hmm. because there's nobody there to relate to. 
Totally. Yeah. And luckily we have that open ending because I think in the short story, it's more like the worst happens, you know? Yeah. I I didn't. And I like, I haven't read the short story. I should read the short story. Well, I know from the conversation from the panel that on set, they decided like, oh, we can't have her just like leave with him. And then the presumption is that, you know, he kills her or something. Oh, okay. Um, And so they decided like okay we're not doing that i like i i love i love how she is actually she's i feel like she takes back power at the end yeah and i really liked that i really liked that she wasn't that she didn't turn into the victim of something darker you know? Yeah, I think that that's and just I do telling a totally different story. It is telling a totally different story, but, well, because we're assuming, yeah, right, that that because it's based on this murderer or inspired mm-hmm. by this yeah. murderer in the short story, the the movie gets to not let her die. It, it, it lets her, that's kind of like the beauty of like... Um, you know, an adaptation of a short story or any yeah. story is that, you know, you can keep most of it the same. And I know that like we could call this like Hollywood whitewashing where it's like, it's got to have a happy ending. It doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. It just means that she gets to like, you know, become the Connie that comes home for Christmas and no one relates to. And the Connie that is so many of us that don't get murdered, but have these um, traumatic interactions that change our worldview, like, forever. Right. You know? And it's like, not that many people, you know, in the scheme of things, ratio-wise, are murdered. But most of us have some kind of confrontation with someone that does not... That has bad intentions, you know. Yeah. I that so it's like to me, I I've never been murdered, but I could relate. To Not that you know of this story so much more. Yeah, yeah. This this could be all the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, who knows? So then, how about this? I just thought about this, mm-hmm. and I don't like. I mean, we could give uh, we could give Connie any sort of narrative, but like, what if she what if she is Ruth Stoops? Oh fuck! I hope not. I hope not. I th- That's I think a dark timeline. It's line, so crazy. I I just I I really have thought about Connie and Ruth a lot. Like these yeah, movies, more Connie than Ruth, but well, I think I've I think been ab- thinking about Citizen Ruth. Well, I think about Ruth a lot because I see a lot of I see Ruth all over town. Oh sure, you know, and yeah. I'm not working. There are Ruths everywhere. I'm not working in the store anymore, but when I was working in the bookstore, Ruth came in a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, people treated Ruth like shit. So, yeah, yeah. People treat Connie better than they treat Ruth. That's for sure. Yeah, Connie's it has Connie's its upsides. Connie's mother is the person that treats her the worst. 
Yeah, and then and that's not even anything know, compared to the way. Uh, and she's gonna have to learn some things about um, desire and who to trust and that sort of stuff that, like right. we were saying before, like in a perfect world you wouldn't have to learn because there wouldn't be Arnold friends everywhere, right? Ready to take advantage of you know naivete, right? But there are. Ruth, in a way, you know, she's more of an agent of the world. Yeah. She's more fully developed and uh, <laughs> uh, male adaptive. I don't know what to, how to describe her. Well, she's definitely... Fucked up? She's fucked up? Fucked up or toughed up? Yeah. Fuck, well, both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she... Ruth Stoops is... Uh, first of all, I have to say, like... I was just sort of blown away at the piece of acting, especially oh my God. in particular the first like 15, 20 minutes of Citizen Ruth. Like, I mean, just so like, we're in 1996 oh my now. God, like, like, you're the same person that played Connie. I know that there is. Yeah, been... she's not our sweet Laura Dern. Which, by the way, Laura Dern in real life, based on all the interviews we've been watching, is, like, such a sweet person and, like, such a, um, like, great collaborator. I think she's, like, she's, like, friends with all these people that she worked with, like, the production designers, the director, when they were, like, talking on the panel, obviously they've been talking. Yeah, I mean... She's just, like, a friend of the world and, like, super supportive. I listened to some of the, uh... The, the audio commentary on the DVD um, oh, of yeah. Citizen Ruth and just the way she talks about things, like the way she talks about her own acting, like she talks yeah. like an artist. She talks like a creator. Yeah. So I think yeah. that her approach to acting really is the same approach that somebody would have to like making a sculpture. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like very, you're not rolling your eyes at her because it's like it's real. Yeah, you know, it's not this like farce of whatever. And like at Citizen Ruth, like here we're seeing uh, Oscar-nominated actress Laura Dern, star of Jurassic Park, like a huge yeah. blockbuster film. Right. She's made Blue Mel- Blue Velvet. She's made Wild at Heart. Like, right. And I know she's really proud that like like she took this movie. Which is like, yeah. you know, first time director and and like about abortion. Yeah. And I think that she was like, yeah, I'm going to, this is the kind of career I'm going to have. I can do anything yeah. right now. And I'm going to do something based on like how I feel about a script and not about all this Hollywood hubbub positioning bullshit. Hubbub. Hollywood hubbub. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then people say this is our greatest performance, which it's like, that's so hard to say. I know we like to like give, if you play someone deranged, you're like, it just is weighted differently. Uh-huh. Um, but it's definitely great. I don't know deranged. You don't know deranged. Oh, oh, mean? I'm sorry. You're saying if you play a deranged person. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant that like, Later on, Laura Dern is in a movie called Deranged. Oh, no, no. And if you, no, and if I'm you saying play like, someone deranged, meaning if you show someone the movie Deranged, 
Oh no! Oh no! God! Sorry okay. If it got sounded it. that way, maybe my inflection gave you that impression. But no, if like I, Ruth is unhinged and deeply unlikable, and so it's like often it's like yeah. you think of Charlize Theron in uh, Monster. What's that movie? Monster. Yeah. It's like oh, give her the Oscar, and like I think that. Um, so I. I don't know if this is confirmed, but I saw one interview with her that she sort of seems to hint that like Miramax didn't support this movie like they said they would. And that I think the director was pretty bummed about it. Yeah. Uh, like there was no like push for an Oscar for her or for the film. Right. Because I think the heat was on because it's about abortion. Right. And it's so crazy because it's kind of, it's a farce about abortion mm-hmm. which this movie yeah. would be if it were made today it would be so much heavier and it would have been played with a heavier hand it's like the issue of abortion in 1996 was still as you know controversial as it is now but um like we lived in a different landscape politically and people were not so volatilely divided about things. So well, to be able to... I mean, to... we're like living this forever, it seems. I, there is a Laura Dern quote from about when this movie came out. So she says, we thought this was an incredibly delicate and terrifying time for Roe v. Wade. In the 90s, the state of Nebraska, where Citizen Ruth takes place, attempted to ban certain second trimester abortion procedures. The Supreme Court overturned the ban, but it was nothing compared to what it is now. And of course, she's saying it's nothing compared to what it is now. And that's before the most recent Supreme Court right. ruling and all of that. Right. Um, so, I mean, things are as tenuous as they've ever been, it feels. But yeah, but... Maybe the... Pub, like the viewing public now would be like two thirds are essentially pro choice, and maybe then it would have been well split differently. I'm just I'm just sort of saying that like the mood of this film is lighter because mm. people were not as entrenched. You know, okay. there wasn't there wasn't social media. You know, and people, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't, I was 20 in 1996. I feel like the mood so, is what it is because they made a choice to be like, we're going to we're gonna poke at all of these right. archetypes that are participating in this conversation right. that may have other interests beyond Woman having right. women having bodily autonomy. Yeah, and Alexander Payne and the writer who collaborated on the script both mentioned that they didn't set out to make a a political film. I mean, how could you not even think? Know, you know, that's, that's what that's a, that's another thing that I'm saying is that it's like you've chosen to make a movie about reproductive rights, but you're unaware of the fact that it's going that it's political you know what i mean but their interest was more in study like character studies like who are these people surrounding these topics 
you know so i think that that's another thing why it's that's another reason why it's not so heavy-handed and so like morose and i mean if you look at alexander payne's other work it's in line Mm -hmm. with what he does it's like sort of sideways nebraska election these like indie darlings kind of uh yeah like there's a lot of yeah um i don't even know how to explain his style but he definitely has like a specific it's sort of like yeah it's like poking fun at people that sort of fit in like one specific box that like very much ascribe to an identity it almost feels like yeah But yeah, I mean, he had to know that this was political, but I also could see like you're looking at people protesting outside of um, Planned Parenthood or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, like it's a job. Yeah, like and like wanting to make a movie about that seems like very compelling. And he made a hell of a movie about that. Um, I know that they like in every interview I saw, she was like, you know, or like everyone was saying like, you know, the equal opportunity uh, offender or whatever. Yeah. About, like, pro-choice and pro-life. But, I mean, I I don't agree with that. I'm, like, definitely we're treating... And, like, I'm glad that we are because otherwise I probably would have been uncomfortable. It's, like, the pro-choice crusaders, they're not doing anything that's really terrible. They're not exploiting anyone, really. right. We they might be like amplified, sort of like when um, what's her face that was in uh, what's the show you showed me that I'd never seen before, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Oh yeah, uh huh. That actress from that, right? She has like a wild name. It's not Tootsie, uh, but it's like <laughs> something crazy. Uh, Louise Lasser. Is that her name? Yeah, that's not her name. Uh huh. That's her name. Really? Yeah. Why did I think she had a crazy name? Who am I thinking of? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. But she's Louise Lasser. And also Mary Clay- Mary Kay Place was on Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Oh, that's who I'm thinking of. Who am I thinking of the other... Um, I, why am I thinking of Mary Hartman? The, the lady that takes... He's, she's in everything. She's like the pro-choice crusader who was like spying on the other side. And she like pulls her wig off. And then she's oh, all very oh, like... Oh, oh. She bought everything in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... She has a crazy name, uh, and she's in ev- absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Swoozy. Swoozy, yes. Yeah. Like, that character, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't she's also, love everything about her, and it is like, I totally know what they're making fun of. Right. Like, this sort of granola, yeah. I, silly shit. I hated, I hated she's not the hateable. sort of, I hated the sort of, like, um, we're going to put in this like tender lesbian kiss on the cheek <clears throat> oh and yeah, that was supposed off. to be like offensive or shocking make out you know yeah um but yeah she you could hardly tell if they were a couple it was so confusing yeah. but swoozy which swoozy she not on mary hartman mary kate place is on mary Hartman. right she was also in true stories she was the laziest woman alive in true stories. Oh. She was in the bed the whole She's time. She's in everything. And I did yeah. not know that name. Like, 
off the top of my head for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, how weird. Yeah. Uh, S-W-O-O-S-I-E. That's what I'm naming my baby. Yeah. Me too. There's so many good details in this movie. I love how, like, Ruth... So, we haven't even said, but, like, Ruth is addicted to huffing. Yeah, she's a huffer. She's a huffer. Not to be confused with a huffer on Broadway. It makes your lit, like, around your mouth black like that to huff? Well, it's spray paint or whatever chemical. It's, it's It's getting on your face. God, such a nasty drug. Yeah. But... So she's Habit. and she has lost four. Well, she gave one of her kids up for adoption, and then maybe one or two. That and courtroom then a scene like with is her so good. That courtroom scene is incredible. Oh my god! There's so many great. Yeah, just she's so good. I mean, yeah. I mean, the difference between her as Connie and the difference between her as um, Ruth. And the difference between her as all of them and uh, Amy Jellico on um, Enlightenment, Enlightenment. which I, yeah, like, like I've been rewatching Enlightened like the third time through. Just, I, I didn't realize how much I loved Laura Dern. Oh my God. And I remember when Enlightened came out, I was like with my, she, that was kind of like, she had had kind of, you know, she was in stuff, but she wasn't like popping off. Like she was during like this whole ten years, she's kind of like right. on it, and I was like sitting around with like my family, like extended family. So I was with like a lot of different like aged people, and we were playing some game, and it was like um, an under, you know, something like someone that you think should have like more acclaim was like it was the question. And I said Laura Dern, and everyone was like, oh yeah, like. And then it seemed like she, like, popped off, like, that year. Like, everyone was, like, ready for her to, like, be back in our lives in a serious way. Though, like, Enlightened didn't get, you know, all its due. No, I think but people I thought loved it. it. I think people thought it was weird and uncomfortable. It is weird and uncomfortable. Which That's is why, why people should love that. But I think it did get... So it got Mike White back into the... Yeah. He had had, like, a breakdown, a workplace breakdown not dissimilar from like right. her whole deal yeah. and Laura Dern brought him because she still had pull obviously but she was just like a little bit more like low-key right and not like now she's done like big little lies she's like very much yeah. back right um a darling but yeah like this is her at a, her darling period too and she's like I'm gonna play a huffer that like gets pregnant is still like huffing and like uh drinking yeah yeah liquor and like bucking out and like just waiting for someone to give me some money to make a decision either way i don't really care which and you know yeah she's buy a car and go to california she's not trying to make a statement everybody's trying to use her to make a statement right she just wants life to be I mean, she's an addict. She just wants yeah. to smooth the friction between her and her, you know, what she wants, which is to huff. Yeah. She just wants to huff. Girls just want to huff fun. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're addicted to it, yeah, that's what you want to do. But yeah, she's gnarly. This opening scene of the whole movie is it. like it's incredibly so, gnarly. It's just like production design costume hair makeup oh. it's just like acting it's just 
really incredible shots. It's just, it's like spot on as far as like how we are being introduced to this woman, you know, that the production design on both these movies is incredible. So good. Would love to have been involved. Turn back time. The Baby Savers logo, which the Baby Savers <laughs> yes. is like run by Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, it's like a. Who's being like massaged by like a I child know. that he saved from abortion. I know. It's so it's fucking so weird. weird. I love that weird uh, implication. But I also don't. Yeah. Like no, that was, it's... that was probably one of the darker sort of farces in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a, a fetus, like an embryo kind of fetus, like in a, um, mm-hmm. like in the middle of a life preserver. Yeah. Very nautical. Yeah. yeah. I like all of that stuff, all the extra details. Yeah. Laura Dern, or um, Ruth's like hickey on her neck, the whole first half of the movie. Yeah. Like, all these little choices. How they dressed her. Like, amazing. Oh, I mean, I love the, like, I love I love the big makeover reveal. It's it's definitely, like, the, oh the uh, you know, pig with lipstick on kind of face that she has. Yeah. Where, like, Mary oh Kay Place takes her to the store to give her, like, new clothes and, you know, gets her hair done and, like... Those two-tiered bangs, yeah. so classic, like the just, flipped up and then the flipped yeah. down. And then she's like sitting at the dinner table with this, like, with her holding her face the way that she holds her face, you know, mm. which is just like, ugh, you know what I mean? That's like, she's making her Ruth face, but you know what I mean? She has not relaxed into the idea of being cl- no. of being clean. And wearing makeup. Well, that's the thing. She's not going to change. She no. would like to have more money to live her life as she so desires. Yeah. But she's essentially like a very selfish. Right. Um, I just hopper. I just do love that we, you know, it's very rare that a movie, you know, if you ever take a screenwriting class or read a screenwriting book, you know, mm-hmm. one of the rules or one of the sort of like outlines is that. You have this character, they're presented with a problem, they go through the obstacles of sort of trying to solve that problem, and then on the other end of it, in the very last act, they have changed. But that doesn't right. happen in this movie, and I fucking love that. Thank God. I know. It's I'm so sick of that. You know, it's like... Incre- Both these movies have great endings. Incremental. These are two perfect movies. They really are. Clearly, Laura Dern has great taste even when how old was she when she made smooth like talk? 19 Young. yeah she like i think that's when it was released i think she was younger than that even yeah because she said that like she kind of came of age through people like recognizing her for the movie and she said it was like a trip because some people would come up to her and be like oh my god that movie disturbed me so much i'm like never gonna let my daughter leave the house and then other people came up and were like that movie was so sexy oh my oh, god oh my god she, what about yeah, Smooth Talk? and she said like through that she was like coming of age and realizing that like the exact same the core issue of the movie, right. you know, this like girl being like taught like um, pulled between, you know, how she liked to use her attractiveness and like what 
you know, the other side of desire was potentially sometimes. Right. Was like, they're like this danger, this like push and pull. Right. Um, like getting you what you want, but also like, you know, having it be da- a dangerous situation. She said she was like sort of realizing that through people's reactions to the film. See, that is a smart human being. Yeah. Oh my God. She's, that's, that's, she's the that's, best. That's how you live your life as a human being especially a creative Mm -hmm. one is that you do actually let your art and people's reactions to it, uh, mold your identity. Yeah. And like really engage with them. Yeah. Let it change Uh, you. Yeah. 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 And let it make you better and let it make you more understanding. And it's like, I'm sure like I've read just for like doing marketing for movies in, my past i've like read a lot of scripts and it's like it's pretty hard to tell sometimes even like i'm usually like it's hard to tell if a movie's gonna be great based on a script alone i think it takes like a very yeah well-tuned brain to be like okay i mean obviously you also have to meet with and understand the people that are involved and like if they have brains that work right in the way that is going to make good art but you know, there's a lot of moving pieces and a movie can end up being really terrible. The production designer for Smooth Talk, there's an interview with him on Criterion and he was saying like everything worked out in their favor. Like that house that they shot uh-huh. in, they like bought it out so they could do like kind of whatever right. there. And it's like the way they shot, like it's not on a state, you know, it's not on a sound stage, right. So it's like you can see through the windows and they were all very intentional about that. And this is like a first time narrative feature director right. like someone that's done documentary right. like obviously she understands how to film but this is a totally different beast and it's yeah. like he said just like absolutely everything it's like obviously the material was perfect which he, which he says is like the most important yeah anyway which i mean we would agree with that but that also like just like everything worked out yeah. for them you know i and i think go ahead yeah no go ahead no, I think that it's like she. I think she has good taste in uh, material. I think she also has good taste in people, and she really nurtures these relationships. And like, yeah. it's probably really great to work with. And that's something she's had forever, which is yeah, wild. So I quoted one of my favorite lines. Mm-hmm. Is there anything? Tell that, me. Well, what she says to yeah, the Velo- what she down. says to the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, I also love... This is... You have to say it. Suck the shit out of my ass, you fucker. Is that what she said? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a group. I mean, if that doesn't spell me and the way it's that so I good. wish that I could talk to people and the way that I do actually scream things <laughs> out loud to people when I'm biking around, getting to and from, <laughs> like, that. that's a perfect line. Yeah. But I also love uh, Mary Kay Place in um, in sorry Smooth Talk uh, okay. when she does say at the in that in that breakfast scene. Now you're gonna lecture me about nutrition, <laughs> and yeah. it's totally lost on Connie about where she is coming from. 
Oh yeah. If I it's were like such the team. If I were some thing. sort of like theater teacher, I would I would require that that scene be studied. Mm. Yeah. It's fucking perfect. It is perfect. Just between both of those scene. women. Yeah. yeah. You love that. Oh, another production detail about um, Smooth Talk is that the first scene that they shot was the that Arnold friend, the like traumatic first moment for. Oh, really? Connie. Yeah, that's the first thing they shot. Wow. And there's so many choices being yeah. made about like how defiant she's going to be, how much she's going to play into this situation, like when she finally breaks down and you know, has the moment of like, fuck, I'm in trouble where before she's sort of like yeah. resisting that. Like, oh my God. Well, and then I guess uh, our, the dude that played Arnold Friend, what's his name? Treat Williams. Treat Williams. Uh, he had to like, they shot around him because he was the star. Yeah. And he had to like leave. So some of her like close-ups at the door, it was Joyce Chopra, the director, just saying the lines. So Laura Dern just had to. Oh my God. Do her lines to like not the guy, Shit, you know? Man. That's impressive. She's incredible. What the fuck? Like this is like her first, definitely her first starring role. It's yeah, insane. Well, I love that. I love how um, shooting something so dark first would inform who she might be um, for the rest of the movie. But then also, yeah, in, it might make it a little hard because you're like, now you've had yeah. the trauma uh, and now you have to like sure. go back to being more naive. But I think it like gives and uh, Laura Dern was also saying like the way it's like you have a female director uh, who has a daughter shooting this scene and then the um, the cinematographer was also like a father of teenage daughters. Uh And she said that that like, like a super smart choice to like have someone that like understood this vulnerability and could like work with um, like this young actress, Laura Dern in this moment, because it's like, there's a way you could shoot that that would not give us the feeling that this gave us and could be like, grimy and and not in the way of like showing him right you know arnold friend is this well they shot citizen terrifying character citizen ruth they shot most of the beginning of the film first okay which isn't like more chronological more chronologically so all of that first stuff that's happening they shot that first which is cool, I mean, too, you know? It's yeah. just interesting. I don't know. Filmmaking is interesting. I, yeah, you know, I love it's it. It's like... Just put, that, that's one of our shirts. Filmmaking is interesting. Yeah, that's why we do <laughs> yeah. this. But no, it's like that... There's a lot of decisions being made here, and I'm. it's hard for me to find ones that I don't like about these two movies. Yep. Um, Highly recommended, I, and not just like... Uh, just uh, not just because Laura Dern, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, well, I don't know. I guess that's hard to say. Probably is because Laura Dern. 
I mean, she's a big, huge piece of both these movies. Yeah. These are not ensemble flicks. Right. These are these are Laura, Laura Dern, Dern stars, stars in. in these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just everything that I've now heard and read, and everything I felt in my gut before this, it's like Laura Dern is good people. Yeah, and she has great taste. Yeah, that always takes me a while to understand how in. much I like a person in a movie. It's sort of like how. There are certain songs that I've been listening to my whole life, and I'm just now barely recognizing what the lyrics are saying. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. They're just like part of... Same thing. Your world. Like actors, where I'm like, oh, shit. Laura Dern. Yeah. She's the best. The best. Uh, my favorite line from Citizen... Ru- or, well, I mean, I love Suck the Shit Out of My Ass, You Fucker. Yeah. Great line. But she's saying... <laughs> I don't even know if it's to the pro-life people or to the pro-choice people, but she says, you want to send a message? I ain't no fucking telegram, bitch. Oh, yeah. She's on the phone talking to Mary Kay. <laughs> oh, <Plank>. yes. <laughs> to Mary Kay Place, yeah. yes. And Perfect. Calls her a cunt and hangs up. Yeah. Well, like the anger of Ruth, it is I like know. we do not get oh, into Ruth's God. psyche so yeah. much, but you just like because of how angry it is, angry she is you know she's been through some shit yeah and so like and maybe also because it's laura dern it's like you're not really supposed to empathize with her so much but like you are like yo lady like i wouldn't want to be around her but like i want her to get help (laughs) yeah you do you can tell she needs it because she's not comfortable she's very angry right yeah but there will always be some built-in things that will never change Oh, sure. I hope Ruth is doing well. Connie grows up to be Ruth, and then maybe she has, like, a second life as, like, a motivational speaker. Yeah. Um, Like Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah, like, you've been through some (laughs) shit, you kicked the bad habits, write a tell-all, figure it out. Oh, my lord. Yeah. Any last thoughts about these outstanding movies that now everyone needs to that see, everyone needs please. to see last thoughts last thoughts um well no okay. <laughs> i can't i, I think can't I'm think good. of anything i think i got it all out what else have you been watching okay so i did get the internet and i have been <laughs> streaming some things so okay um that has been fun uh also i'm trying to keep all of it very like uh with all of it with intent i can't just let i can't binge anything you know that's just too much Mm -hmm. for me it's too mindless you know i watch things for a reason um sure i can't i can't i've just been watched i i We've watched so much. Um, let me try to think of something. I've still been on Black Lady Sketch Show, which I really oh, just cool. think is so fucking funny. Um, and I really appreciate yeah. the point of view. Um, I think that we should all be watching comedy or anything written, produced, directed, et cetera, et cetera, by black women. Um mm-hmm. You know, that's how you learn different things about different people. Shouldn't make, should not make you uncomfortable. 
Um, yeah. Which I did have a friend over who asked me because it was on. Should we be watching this? What? And I was like, of course we should be watching this. What are you talking about? Yeah. Come on. People are so uncomfortable, huh? Yeah, really uncomfortable. I think they're uncomfortable with the fact that, like, it's still a stereotype being presented. But it's like, no, this is, if it is a stereotype, it's being presented by the people who should be presenting the stereotype and have an understanding of it and and there's greater depth to it. Yeah, perspective is important. Right. So I'll just go with that. That's what I've been watching. Mm. Lots of cooking shows. Cool. Lots of cooking shows. Yeah, always. Cooking is about okay. process. And I, I didn't love, know this about you. I do. I, I've been watching cooking shows since I was like, you know, 10. Latchkey. Damn, I used yeah. to and now I never do. Latchkey Kid would get home and um, watch that. Are you going to watch that HBO show about Julia Child? I don't making think so. Show? I, I'll just watch The French Chef. I'll just watch Julia Child. Okay, yeah. fair. Yeah. Cool. What about you? Um, I have been consuming all this Kendrick Lamar content. Uh, I've been really enjoying this album rollout like really reveling in okay. it so it's like the heart part five which he always releases these heart um songs okay. this time it was a music video also so he always does it before the album's gonna come out yeah so this is his fifth album it's his last on this record label it's actually like two albums um like all released at once i think it's 18 songs like an hour and 13 minutes um I love Kendrick Lamar and I've like listened to all like the dissect podcasts since, I mean, they all came out since his last album, damn, which like will fuck anybody up. Um, So like, I like have had it on my calendar, like Kendrick Lamar, like on the 13th, whatever. So it like the heart part five comes out. I watched that video like a thousand times (laughs) and then the album comes out and I like had the best night so that's like there's a music video with that Uh so like it's been dissected to shit at this point but he like i don't know if you've seen it but it's like deep fake technology so he like morphs into kanye west and nipsey hustle and oj simpson it's like pretty incredible um very minimal production like a backdrop and then like him in a white t-shirt with like a black bandana on but then like everything he does just like packs a punch it is so incredibly satisfying to like his total creative, like nothing is an accident. Nothing is like, it's just so perfectly realized. Yeah. Oh my God. So I've just like been really reveling in it. And he had a video come out um, like right after the album dropped for the song N95. And of course it's like perfect and everyone should watch it if they haven't already seen it. I know like, you know tens of millions of people are consuming it but i've just been like it's all i can think about and all i can talk about because i'm obsessive in this way and it's been five years since there's been new kendrick content and it's like every more because he's like so private like every morsel of information like 
is so like I'm on like the Reddit like looking for more right. stuff always. But the music video is really fucking beautiful. Um and I'm sure there's gonna be more visual output. Where like that's not usually how I've consumed his content. It's been mostly like the albums and then like listening to dissect podcast about all the shit that I would never know yeah, about right. like the production and all of that. So I've been doing that. And then the staircase with Tony Collette and Colin Firth oh, yeah. on HBO okay. is really great. I thought it was going to be, I mean, you hear those names and you're like, Oh, this must be something. It's not going to be yeah, like the regular sure. old true crime trash, but like, it's really, it like fucked me up, you know, like it really makes you think about like what's real and what's not real. Okay. And, Ooh, like oh, I can watch that. I got that. It's fucking cool. Yeah, you got I that. I can do now. that. Now. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Tony Collette, get the fuck I out know. of here. I know. Come on, Jesus. Amazing. Have been following so her good. since Muriel's wedding. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's like she's so different yeah. now. Uh, oh shit. It's well, maybe we'll have range. to do deep dives on her, and maybe we'll study know, right? some Kendrick Lamar, since I've never really watched any kind of oh, I feel Lamar like you would love yeah. um I don't know if like the dissect podcast I like try to recommend it to people and they never take to it I started listening to the lemonade oh I watched, yeah I That's listened a good one. I think to the f- I just listened to the first two I should get back into it though I mean even looking at like the dissect podcast uh Instagram is interesting because it's like little morsels like they did this one there's this um a song that kendrick's just a feature on yeah and it like breaks down like how he like down to like the number of bars the number of minutes in a song like all of this shit like he's so exacting about his creativity in a way that like i just can't really the way i approach uh like my creative process is very much like this is all the shit I like. Now let's like make the puzzle pieces fit. Yeah. Where like his brain is working in a totally different way, right. like with such certainty, like where like my creative process is always leaving room to like, and I don't know, like I, I've only heard what he said about in interviews and what people say about him, which he leaves people a lot of room to say things about him. Like he's not commenting all the time. Great. So it's like, love that. It's kind of a mystery. Yeah, yeah it's great. But it's like, he seems so exacting, like he knows exactly what he wants, where like I'm like tossing shit up in the air until the very end. Right. You know? I'm like not ever really certain there's very few elements of things that I'm working on that I'm like, yes, it must be this. Right. You yeah. know? So it's hard to kind of imagine being like, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, and it's, you know, down to this many seconds. It's gotta be blah blah blah. Like, that's fascinating. Yeah. I am really, I'm so enjoying it. I'm like, after this, I'm going to watch the video again. Like, I can't get (laughs) enough. It's it's so fun to be in it, you know, like, with a new thing. I haven't felt this way in a a minute. Yeah. Well. It's really one of life's great pleasures. After this, I'm going to go get some noodles. Oh. Literally right after this. Like, my friend is waiting outside. Oh, my God. Well, we'll speak. <laughs> Can to we wrap this up? I'm next time, uh, watch the movies and tell us that you watch the movies. We want to know. 
We love you, Laura Dern. Yeah, See we you do. See you later. Suck the shit out of my ass, you Bye. fuckers. Bye.